0: Dionisio at the plate, he's over to today, Swakowski the big right-hander lets it go, it's right down Broadway, Dionisio lets it fly, and it's, oh it's raining now. It's time for Rain Delay Theater with Jeremy Dionisio and Jack Swakowski.
1: Hello everybody, welcome to another episode of Rain Delay Theater, the show where two bums talk about other bums at baseball games. I'm Jeremy Dionisio.
0: And I'm Jack Swakowski.
1: This is episode number 98, folks. Uh it's December 2nd. Um and um yeah, number 98. So that means our 98 rookies. Uh Jack, who you got?
0: I have Benji Molina. Jeremy, uh you remember Benji Molina, right? I do, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he was a he was a long-time catcher, played from 98 to 2010 for the uh Angels. Blue Jays and Giants uh also for the Rangers for uh half of a season. Never made an All-Star team or anything. He had a pretty solid career, a long career for a catcher. But Jeremy, the thing I want to say about Benji Molina, did you know that in 2008 he uh he hit a home run for which he did not score the run?
1: uh No, I didn't.
0: Yeah, yeah, I was going to ask if you could imagine how that scenario could possibly happen. What happened was he hit a home run uh, that, uh, he hit a long drive that went off the top of the wall and he stopped at first, uh, for a single cause he's Benji Molina and he's slow. Um, he couldn't even turn that into a double, but then, uh, from the dugout, Bruce Bochy, who was a manager of the Giants at the time, challenged the play and said, no, that ball actually went over the fence. Uh, and so the umpires took a look at it. The thing is, uh, after Molina had stopped at first, uh, a pinch runner had gone out to run for Molina. So that pinch runner was still out there as they were looking at the review. They end up reviewing the play and determining that it was a home run. However, they didn't let Benji Molina back in the game because he had been pinch run for. So the oh. pinch runner finished out his Benji Molina's home run trot for him. And uh, that pinch runner was Emmanuel Burris. So Emmanuel Burris uh, got credit for a, uh, for a run on a uh, Benji Molina home run. And if, if you believe Bruce Bochi he uh Emmanuel Burris styled like he hit it as he was running around the bases but uh yeah it's one of the more bizarre plays I've ever read about but uh but it did it did happen so it's very it's very uh very interesting a one of a kind thing Benji Molina
1: so Molina gets the like home run stat but but Burris gets the run scored stat
0: yes uh wow. yes so um the on baseball reference they, there's a li- there's actually a little paragraph about it um, uh, in the box score, the paragraph reads game was protested by home team, but was disallowed. So Bruce Bochy pr- played the rest of the game under protest because they wouldn't let Molina back in the game. <laughs> it says in the sixth inning, Benji Molina hit what at first appeared to be a single. He was then replaced by a pinch runner, Emmanuel Burris. The Giants then asked for the umpires to look at the play. And upon review, the play was changed to a home run. Despite this, the umpires did not allow Molina back into the game to quote unquote score Elias, Sports Bureau, and MLB have ruled that Burris gets the run, even though Molina hit the home run. Molina's and Burris's season totals show this, but we find it to be a poor ruling and show Molina scoring the run here and in his game logs. So uh, Baseball Reference actually comments <laughs> that they found this to be a poor ruling. Uh, yeah, so the whole thing is a mess, but it was a really, really unique, one-of-a-kind play, the kind of thing that, uh, you know, I wish Rain Delay Theater had been there to see in person because I'm sure we would have had a lot to say about it
1: yeah totally um that's pretty funny um well uh let's see um my 98 Who do you got for uh, a
0: 98
1: yeah my 98 guy jack is eric milton
0: okay uh, pi- eric milton
1: yeah pitcher for the uh the twins and i guess the the phillies um actually was only a philly for one year the reds i guess um uh-huh. notable teams um Jack, I think you could tell the inflection in my my voice. I don't have really anything good to say about Eric Milton. Um, I kind of found it hard. Like, there were just too many, like, kind of obvious guys this year. um, And then just guys that I had really nothing to say about. So the only thing I have to say about Eric Milton was um, at some point in um, when I was living, uh, uh, like, in one of my first apartments um, with with past guest Ben Perkins, uh, who was in recently. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. uh, we played a, I, I had a video game, uh, like I was playing like a year long, like baseball video game and, yeah. uh, you know, I was playing the whole season, whatever. And, um, I think, I guess I must've been playing against the, the Reds. Yeah, that would make sense. Um, I, I guess it could have been the Phillies, but something happened where like Eric Milton, like hit one of my players in the game. Um, like I was playing against a computer and Eric Milton was a pitcher and he, he hit one of my players. So I uh, made a note to myself, like next time we played Eric Milton that I wanted to hit him in the head. Um, <laughs> so, so I had a note, I had a note to myself, like by my bed, like hit Eric Milton in the head. Um, oh my God. I I played him in, in the season. And then um, uh, after the season was over or something, I, I taped the note to the front of my, the, to the outside of my door. Uh, so, I had that note on my door in my apartment, uh, like at some point in my twenties
0: jesus man yeah i uh I wouldn't want to piss you off jeremy if uh <laughs> if you'll go to that length for a length for a video game um yeah. <laughs> wow, Mike. Yeah. yeah, I'm looking at Eric Milton's stats here uh two years in a row, he led the league in home runs allowed in two thousand four he allowed forty three home runs in two hundred and one innings, yeah. two thousand five he allowed forty home runs in 186 innings he had two other seasons where he allowed 35 home runs uh that was 2000-2001 consecutive seasons he allowed that many and in 2006 he allowed 29 home runs so this guy would just I would love to to face this guy man like this guy this guy served up taters like there were no tomorrow
1: yeah yeah exactly like uh like he was uh uh, McDonald's or something I don't know oh, wait. Um, but,
0: <laughs> well wait well yeah. wait so uh maybe I missed this from the story though Jeremy so did you actually end up hitting Eric Milton in the head
1: uh I'm, I'm pretty sure I did yeah um okay yeah I think um you know it must have been I, I'm trying I wish I could remember what year it was because I'm trying to look to see like it would have been around like 2004 2005 so it must have been like I'm I'm thinking it might have been when he was with the with the Reds and uh it was a okay. division, you know, matchup. We were gonna see the Reds again later on that year, and I made a note to myself to hit him in the head. And uh I'm mm, pretty mm. sure I did, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think Jesus. I would have let that one go.
0: Jesus, Jeremy. Okay, all right, that's good. <laughs> that's good for uh it's good for 1998 so uh folks um uh if you've been listening we gotta uh uh actually i haven't mentioned this on the podcast uh before but i had uh i got surgery on monday so i am about 48 hours removed from having uh, surgery on my left elbow and my left uh wrist um i had the surgery at about 3 p.m on monday uh, the, uh, the surgery specifically where the a, uh, I had a, a left ulnar nerve transposition, uh, which basically means that they moved my nerve. Um, the nerve on my left elbow, it's called your ulnar nerve. It basically, uh, it's one of the two like nerves that goes down to your hand. Maybe there's more. I don't fucking know. I'm not a doctor, <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, yeah, that nerve was basically, it had become, uh, uh, I, I forget the term that they use. Unstable. They, the nerve had become unstable, and it was popping over my elbow, and that had been going on for about seven months. So, uh, so they had to like move the nerve to a, a different place in my elbow, um, and I also got a uh, carpal tunnel release on my uh, on my left hand as well, near my wrist. Uh, both of those were done endoscopically. So, there's that means that they like shove a little camera into your body where they the area where they're doing the surgery. And they, uh, so that, you know, they don't have to make a big incision. So I shouldn't have like huge scars or anything, but, uh, yeah, just, I'm just still just 48 hours removed from it. So it's, uh, you know, it was kind of, it's been kind of an intense last couple of days for sure.
1: Yeah, Jack, that's a, that's a wild, uh, wild scene. Um, I think, um, uh, I mean, so like the ulnar nerve is like what they, uh, you know, what they do to, uh, to pitchers, uh, for Tommy John surgery. Um, right. Like that's one of the things that they like.
0: Yeah. I I think that's Uh. like, I think there's also like an ulnar collateral ligament or something like that. So, um, so mine was the, mine was the nerve. I think for pitchers it's usually the ligament, but I I think, you know, I'm not an uh, an expert on Tommy John surgery, but I think what they do is they take like tissue from a different part of your body and put it in your elbow or something. I don't know. I haven't, I haven't watched the Tommy John 30 for 30, Uh, but if you, uh, if, if you, um, if you watch like videos online, of, a, of like a, an ulnar nerve transposition, you can kind of, you can see they've got like the elbow oh, cut goodness. open and like they, they move, they move the elbow up and down and you can see the nerve popping over the elbow. It's kind of, it's kind of nasty. Mm-hmm. Um, So yeah, that's, that's pretty intense. Uh, they said the recovery time isn't going to be too crazy. It's going to be about, they said about two, two to three weeks. Hopefully I can't really bend my, bend my arm, like my elbow very much right now, but I guess I am only 48 hours removed from having my nerve moved in my arm. Um, but yeah, I'm not really experiencing any numbness or anything like that. Let me tell you though, Jeremy, when you go in for surgery, uh, it's an intense thing, man. Like, holy shit. Uh, you know, they got you on the hospital bed and they're wheeling you through the hallway. It's just like you see <laughs> in the movies and on TV. It's exactly like that. They got you in the bed... You're completely helpless. You're in your hospital gown. There's like there's like three or four people surrounding the bed. They're taking you into like the operating room. That you know they push that door open and they wheel you through the white hallway with the fluorescent lights. And I was like Jesus, like oh my God, this is this is crazy. Like I'm not you know I'm not having heart surgery like emergency heart surgery here. I'm just like, do we really need all these whistles and bells? But like yeah, they wheel you in there and into the operating room. Um, and then you get in the operating room and there's like there's like ten people in there that you've never seen before. And you're like you know who the hell are all. All these people and I, I kept wanting to like I kept wanting to just be like hey can, uh, I'm sorry can I back out can I back out I, I'm I'm too chicken I don't want to do this this is an elective surgery like I, like the doctor said it was something that's really not going to get better but ultimately like this is an elective surgery can I just back out I'm done but I also was like ah these people like there's 10 of them here like they've gone through all this trouble to prep me and stuff I don't want to be like a jerk and like not go through with the surgery you know um, but also uh, it's like yeah and I don't want to be that guy where they're like at the bar after work and they're like, yeah, can you believe that guy who like backed out at the last second? So, uh, so anyway, so you know, you're in the operating room, and it's like at like about two minutes, everybody's messing around, doing their own thing, like you know, um, checking vitals or getting equipment ready or whatever the hell. Uh, nurse asked me, they're like, how you doing? You doing okay? And I was like, yeah, I guess it's kind of a stupid question. Like, no, I'm not doing okay. I'm freaked out. Um, it's like that scene in RoboCop. You know that scene in RoboCop, Jeremy, where like they, they're they they're like operating on RoboCop and it's just like he, he's in his bed and you're, it's from his POV and like um, you know, a bunch of people are just like doing shit. That's exactly what it was like. Um, if somebody would have said to me, you are going to be one bad motherfucker, I would have been like, alright, this is fine then. I'm good. Um, but uh, the, the, the anesthesia anesthesiologist said to me she goes we're gonna um we're gonna give you something that's gonna make you a little sleepy and I was like okay and then the next thing I knew I was in the recovery room it was that's, crazy
1: yeah I've heard those stories about anesthesia like that and like I yeah I mean as much as I don't want to be in the situation to get that that that's in, like that scenario to me like sounds so crazy that uh I would be interested to, to know what it's like but you know
0: At what cost, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, believe me, if I didn't have to have have that shit done, uh, I wouldn't have... uh... Yeah, I wouldn't have wanted to either. But it was it was insane. I mean, um, I was really worried too. I was like, man, what if like the anesthesia doesn't like work or something, uh, and I'm I'm just like awake? Yeah, didn't, no chance it happened. No chance. I mean, I I went in the surgery about three o'clock. I think is when they started. Um, I woke up at about four thirty with no absolutely no recollection of <laughs> of anything that had gone on. They could have taken like both my kidneys. I would have had no idea. They could have done anything they wanted to in there. Um, and they, you know. Thankfully they didn't, but like I woke up um, and there was a nurse who was there when I woke up to like kind of tell me everything that was going on, what was going on. I, I, you know, when the day of your surgery, you can't eat or drink anything. So it was about 4.30 in the afternoon and I hadn't had anything to eat or drink since uh, before midnight. Um. So I was, uh, I was feeling, you know, not so great. So they gave me some ice water, and they uh, then they offered me the choice of saltine crackers, graham crackers, and uh, or cookies. And uh, I was like still feeling a little bit loopy from the uh, from the anesthesia. And so <laughs> s- sometimes, Jeremy, there's this line in the movie Con Air where Dave uh-huh. where Dave Chappelle says uh, he he's like hitting on this one like prison guard, this this female prison guard, and he goes uh, he goes. Because you've got the prettiest eyes I've seen in five to ten. So whenever like I haven't had like done something or had something in a while, I'll like I'll, oh, no. I'll sort of I'll sort of reference that. And so she mentioned she mentioned graham crackers, and I want I went man, I haven't had a graham cracker in five to ten. And she just <laughs> she just didn't react at all. She did not react. Um, and I opted for the cookie. I ended up getting the cookies. I didn't get the graham crackers. But uh, yeah, so you know then they uh, then they put me in a wheelchair. They wheeled me out of there, and my dad picked me up, and uh, yeah, it's been uh, been out ever since.
1: Wow, wow, that's that's an epic story, Jack. Um, <laughs> so so many things to uh, to uh, to comment on there. Um, yeah, that is uh, that's funny that that you not only made that reference, but also that you remember it. I guess it was it kind of like it's like it was it kind of like dreamlike. It's like I know I said that, but I'm like
0: no so, so what happened was at that point i it was almost like uh i was I felt sort of uh like drunk, you could say, um okay, yeah, like sure. yeah, so I was a little loopy it i would i would uh I would equate it to like the feeling when you're drunk, but not wasted, you' just like have a nice buzz on, so yeah. it was sort it was sort of sort of like that um i think I think though that I was conscious before I knew I was conscious because I asked okay. the nurse i said like because there was another doctor. Who had talked to me before the nurse uh, when I was in the recovery room, apparently, and I uh, so I asked the nurse, I was like, "So did everything with the surgery go well?" She's like, "Yeah, it did." You already asked the doctor that. I was like, "Oh, I don't remember that." So yeah, so that, that I think, uh, but at that point, yeah, it was like I, I felt I felt like kind of a little drunk, and I, I came out of that pretty fast. That only lasted for about fifteen minutes, and then I, I started to feel okay again. Interesting. Well. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, um, you know, I, it's kind of funny at the, at the beginning of this pandemic, there were pitchers, professional baseball pitchers who were like not allowed to get Tommy John surgery because of like the, the, the safety concerns. Yeah, And here you are Jack, like going in for, for a elbow procedure, you know, when like Noah Syndergaard couldn't have gotten one back in like, you know, m- March when he needed it.
0: Well, Jeremy, you know, good things happen to people who pay their rent on time. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So there you, there, there you go. I will say I, d- I, did, I did have to get a, uh, a COVID test, um, uh, and I, I had not had a COVID test either since the pandemic started. So that was interesting. They basically just, um, yeah, they basically just, they, they have a little swab and they stick it up your nose. It's like getting a na- uh, nasal spray up your nose. Um, I will say like after they took the swab out, like I, I kind of convulsed a little bit cause it does feel pretty intense, but only for like 30 seconds uh, to a minute. Um, so yeah, I would equate it to, to getting some nasal spray. So it's kind of, you know, it's no big thing.
1: I've, I've heard like there's like the nasal swab and then there's like the real deep one. Uh, I have not gotten one, um, <clears throat> yet, uh, probably because they don't leave the house, <laughs> but, um, yeah. So, um, so yeah, so that's, uh, that's interesting too. I guess that's a, that's a twofer there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but, uh, well, Jack, you know, you're on the, you're on the IL right now. Um, you know, well, Jesus, if you were a pitcher, Jack, you could be out for the whole damn year, but, uh, oh, yeah. i expecting you to be ready for spring training at the very least.
0: Absolutely, Jeremy, that's what they're projecting. Um, so yeah, this is more of a 10 day IL situation than a 60 day IL. Hopefully it doesn't turn into a 60 day. IL situation, so we'll, we'll see. Uh, my follow up appointment with my surgeon is in two weeks from now. So uh, yeah, hopefully, just we'll be feeling better every day. So we'll we'll keep you we'll keep you up to date on that if there's anything uh, if there's any other news. Um, I have Jeremy, so I basically can't do shit right now. Um, I'm, I can use my right hand, but my left hand, uh, my left arm is pretty much useless right now. Um, I can type. But that's about it. Like I can't, you know, I can't go on a phone with my uh, my left hand. I can't even plug my phone in. I can't squeeze a toothpaste out of a toothpaste tube with my left hand. So that, that's where we are right now. Hopefully, once the swelling from the surgery on my wrist goes down, that changes. But my point is that I've i mainly been watching a lot of TV lately. Um, and since the college basketball season started late, there have been a lot of games on throughout throughout the day, even even during weekdays. Uh, so teams can try to make up for lost time. And uh, a couple of the guys we saw in the Chicago tournament last year, about a year ago, uh, Caleb Love for North Carolina and DJ Stewart for Duke, are actually getting significant minutes right now. Um, Caleb, yeah yeah, saw, yeah, yeah, go ahead. I, saw, I,
1: I was going to say, I saw the box score like yesterday for Duke, and I – I saw DJ Stewart played a lot of the game, like 29 minutes or something, but he also was like 0 for 7 from the floor. Yeah,
0: yeah, I uh, saw that as well. He didn't He didn't play great. They played MSU last night. They lost. It was the first time Tom Izzo from Michigan State had ever beaten Duke in the regular season. Um, but, yeah, DJ Stewart, uh, yeah, I think he, he is starting. Um, yeah, he was 0 for 7 from the floor. Didn't have a great game. I, I do recall saying, Jeremy, that uh, I thought DJ Stewart was going to be a four-year guy for duke mm-hmm. um a, kind of what they call a program guy so he's not going to be a guy that leaves early and it also would not surprise me if he gets recruited over so i would be a little bit surprised if he was starting for them as a junior and senior i think that duke is going to pick up a better a better player than him but it's cool to see him on there and uh caleb love jeremy is actually leading unc in scoring right now he's, he's averaging 13 a game
1: yeah that's pretty cool um yeah, we'll see what uh what happens, but um uh it's uh it's cool to see them um to to be able to say like we saw those guys and yeah, if Caleb Love ends up doing big things in the NBA, uh that will be cool to know. It would. Um uh, it could be one of the last live events that uh, me and you have ever saw, Jack.
0: Yeah, Jeremy, I was gonna say if the last uh, if the last last home run I ever saw at a baseball game was a fake Grayson Griner home run, like that's you know that's not a good way to go out. Um, that, was that what it was in that rain out game? Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. Oh, what a man. what a ridiculous what a ridiculous thing. I, I guess that was a little uh, a little fortuitous is that the word i was uh look word i'm looking for um uh possibly uh, <laughs> um uh what what it was was uh you know it was a good a good sign a bad sign of things to come that like that that the last game we were at got canceled um we should have known jeremy yeah. we should have known right away that that things were only going to get worse um well i
1: saw i saw something that fauci is saying that by the end of uh <laughs> next summer um sporting events might be back to normal so um Maybe we'll be able to catch that uh that stretch run there.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um uh here's hoping. Um, you know, at by that point if the Cubs are actually tearing everything down, they might be uh you know, they might be out of it by then. So uh so you mm-hmm. know, maybe maybe tickets are gonna be a little bit cheaper i'm looking up the definition of uh, fortuitous right now happening oh, by sure. accident or chance rather than design eh, not really that wasn't really the word i was looking for but anyway inauspicious?
1: it doesn't i don't know yeah inauspicious um,
0: that that's the word that's the one jeremy uh like you would say something as an inauspicious uh beginning um yeah thank you uh, also jeremy one last thing about the college basketball uh we also i have not seen him yet even though i was watching a minnesota gophers game because uh uh, he he doesn't get a lot of minutes but Martis Mitchell is playing for the Minnesota Golden Gophers now. Jeremy, what did uh what did that one guy say about Martis Mitchell? I think
1: I mean I think he was just saying like he's no Martis Mitchell. Yeah. I don't this guy, you know, he's no Martis Mitchell.
0: He said they ain't got Martis, you know. That's that's right, yeah, yeah, that's, right. <laughs> uh so yeah, Marty Mitchell playing as well, I'm actually rooting for that kid, just so uh you know, just because I love I love that uh, that guy so much, um yeah, uh, I feel like every year uh during this this time of year, there's just needlessly endless coverage of some some reliever getting signed by a team. who was it mm-hmm. last year, Jeremy that that there was like uh you know everybody made a big hullabaloo over some reliever getting signed. it was like with the Phillies or something like that. I can't remember. Uh,
1: yeah, I'm trying to think um whew, not this, David Robertson. That yeah, was it was David couple... Robertson. Yeah, was it? yeah, yeah. Okay.
0: Yes, it was. And everybody was like, "Oh my god, is he going to sign with the Phillies?" And it's like, "Who cares? Who... It's it's David <laughs> Robertson. It doesn't matter." Um and yeah. so this year it was Trevor May. I saw all I saw on my sports ticker last night as I was watching TV was like Mets signed Trevor May to like a two-year, 15 million deal and like you know, um, when when you search sports on your phone, like all you saw was like Trevor May signed a contract with the Mets, and like it's fucking Trevor May, man. Is that is there really such a uh, a lack of news on in baseball right now that this that this is big news? Um, it doesn't make any yeah, sense. That's,
1: that's pretty sad. Not even like the fact, considering that he's signing with a New York team, should warrant that kind of coverage. Like. Yeah, it's a it's a total who cares situation. Um <clears throat> uh but uh yeah, I also saw that Mike Minor like signed with the Royals and it, again I was like, Really? Like this is like <laughs> this is where we're at with like the baseball news ticker situation, is that we're talking about uh Mike Minor. Like this is you know
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, I uh who knows, man. Maybe he'll uh be able to replicate that once in a lifetime two hundred strikeout season that he got, uh with the Rangers in 2019, yeah, um, exactly. Trevor May he got a two-year, fifteen million dollar deal, I think, which is a lot for uh, for a guy like that, especially coming off of a pandemic. It was with the Mets, so they say that Steve Cohen, new owner of the Mets, is is the richest owner in baseball, or one of or one of the richest. So mm-hmm. it almost feels like that was just a, a a move on his part to be like, hey, like you know, all you owners who are like cutting salary, like. I'm going to sign Trevor May for $15 million. Like, that's who I am. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. So it was uh, like kind of a, uh, what you know, a dick measuring contest for, uh, you know, for for, for the owners. Um, it was the non-tender deadline, though, uh, or today, I believe, was. Yeah. And so the Cubs non-tendered kind of shockingly, although not really shocking if you've been following it, but just, uh, you know, four years ago, you would have said, uh, you know, you're crazy if they would have non-tendered this guy. But Kyle Schwarber... Was non-tendered as well as Al uh, Albert Almora. So neither one of those guys was offered a contract uh, by the Cubs, and they can now become free agents.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty sad, Jack. I mean, we've we've mentioned it like a couple times on this podcast about Schwarber not being of, of being non-tendered, and I mean, I never really, I don't know. I mean, I I was hoping that it wasn't true, and I was I partially was kind of saying it kind of in jest, thinking like, ah, eh, they'll just resign him. Um but yeah, he was set to like make like nine million dollars in arbitration. They were like they were estimating that he would make like that much in arbitration and uh or maybe he he was already set to make that much, I'm not sure. But uh it's just a sad day where like the Cubs um <clears throat> like let a guy go. Uh like let like let let a guy like that go. Um, a guy who they drafted themselves, um, you know, uh over a couple million dollars. Um uh a guy who was like I guess he wasn't necessarily a cornerstone of the of the O six World Series team, but um being that he only played in like like two regular season games and then came back for the World Series, but it's still just like a sad uh end. Like, you know, I already experienced this with, with uh the Theo Epstein uh departure, but like it's a sad end, uh, to like the Kyle Schwarber like his tenure as a cub. Um and uh yeah, I just don't it's like it's, it's like I you know, I think like but being a fan of like the cubs before they won the world series like obviously there was like years and years of of just fucking failure and heartache and whatever um and then i remember like hearing from like a white Sox fan like after they won in 05 saying like you know be careful what you wish for because it doesn't have the same like uh like feeling once they win the world series you know it kind of like Take like deflates the balloon a little bit, but uh, one thing that no one really talked about is like watching the dismantling of your World Series team. Uh, it's pretty sad, um, and uh, knowing the fact that like the Cubs aren't going to go out and sign. It's not like they're like letting Schwarber go so they can sign like you know um, George Springer or like right. uh, you know or someone else. I think I said that weird George Springer, um, <laughs> but uh, you know someone like that. Like they're they're like. I don't know who's going to start in left field for them next year. Like they could re-sign like Cameron Mabin and he could be their starting left fielder. Like <laughs> it's not going to be pretty. Um, so, so yeah, it's kind of a bummer, but, um, he, he, has gone.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, Jeremy, um, so I was recently reading this book uh, by Tom Verducci. I know you have it as well, uh, but it's called the Cubs way. And it's basically, uh, what that book is about is it tells the story of Theo Epstein getting hired, um, and him building that 2016 World Series team. And so it just goes through the whole World Series game by game. But then like in between each game recap, uh, is like a chapter about a certain player that they drafted or signed, um, or like background on Epstein and Madden and stuff like that. The book was published, I think in early 2017. So there's not a lot post-World Series, but uh, one of the criticisms of Theo Epstein that I had, I had kind of always heard was that he was really reluctant to part with what he perceived to be the core of that yep. team, um, and may, maybe a bit too reluctant. Uh, a couple years ago, I feel like they could have gotten a King's Ransom for Kyle Schwarber. Hell, oh, yeah. I think they probably could have gotten uh, Chris Sale for Kyle Schwarber straight up at one point. Um, if they would have if they would have wanted to, uh, or they certainly could have gotten Quintana for Kyle Schwarber and not had to trade away, uh, you know, their two best prospects, uh, Eloy Jimenez and, and Dylan Cease, mm-hmm. but um, but yeah, ultimately like that that now looks like you know Epstein has made uh, some bad moves since the World Series, but that looks like the, the not trading Schwarber looks like a bad non move. On his part, um, I mean obviously hindsight is twenty twenty There was no way to tell that Schwarber would basically just be like a, a three true outcome guy, or maybe there was i don 't know i didn't really i didn 't really start following yeah. him until he got up to the uh, you know up to the big leagues but that that kind of seems like all he 's ever been um, but I, I will say that uh, in the book the Cubs Way they talk about how Schwarber was viewed by Epstein as one of the four cornerstone players that Epstein thought he needed to win the World Series. His goal was to get four cornerstone players. The first guy he obtained was Rizzo. Uh, The second guy he got was um, Bryant. Uh, Then he got Russell, and then uh, Addison Russell, and and then Schwarber. Uh, in the in the 2014 draft, so like he wanted four core position players that could lead the team. So like he loved Kyle Schwarber. He was in love with the guy's character, yeah. um, his resolve for having come back in 2016. Uh, I think they just they loved that about him that he was able to come back and contribute. Uh, but ultimately, I don't think he ever really lived up to the promise that he showed in that 2016 World Series
1: no no it's I mean like from a from a sheer performance standpoint like I I can kind of get it because it's just it's just more of the same of waiting for Schwarber to do something and like um you know this year his performance was pretty uh frustrating and um the guy just didn't like he just didn't hit for for average like he was supposed to or like what like what it seemed like he could have um like after like, you know, the 2015 season or whatever. Um, And uh, so whatever. Yeah. yeah, I guess, you know, they let him go. Uh, It it is what it is. Um, As far as like the whole like non trading him thing goes like I, that, that one's tough because like I almost would rather like, you know, you you get into like gambling or whatever. We haven't really talked too much about gambling on this, uh, on this podcast, but like, I'm the kind of guy and I think you're kind of like this too, Jack, like, when it comes to like that kind of stuff, like I, I get, I tend to be pretty conservative, and like the, I always say like the the pain of like losing money is worse than the uh, joy of winning money, and so like to employ that kind of strategy to this, like I kind of feel like I would have rather had Schwarber like fail with the Cubs than like succeed with another team. Sure. So you know, I think like that's kind of a toss up, and that kind of seems like almost what Theo was was kind of like in for. Um, so I don't know, that's a tough one because yeah, I just, it would drive me crazy to see him like go to another team and be good. Kind of like Eloy Jimenez, but, um, uh, you know, uh, but yeah, so I, I don't know. It's, it's a tough one. Um, I just, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Like, you know, I, this is probably changing some, like a lot of teams, like plans now, like, uh, you know, this isn't like a crazy thing, but, uh, you know, other teams, like we're probably thinking like weren't thinking he'd be available so like now like I mean does he go to like does who does he fit into I don't even haven't even thought about that part yet but like uh I mean is he gonna be a Yankee or something like would that be that would be crazy to think of Kyle Schwarber as a Yankee but maybe he'll go to like the Indians or the Reds or something I I don't know because he's from Ohio
0: Right. Um and yeah, Yankee Yankees would be a good fit too just because they have that short porch in uh in right field. So I can imagine mm-hmm. that he would uh, you know, hit a lot of home runs there. Um yeah, it'll be interesting to see where he goes. Who knows? Maybe if they keep the DH for the NL next year, um which I'm I'm not sure if it's going to happen. It seems like they're kind of leaning towards not having that and having pitchers bat. He could end up on a on a National League team too. Um yeah. Or maybe, as they said, I don't know. Did Epstein did Epstein say like we'll continue to have conversations with Kyle Schwarber and Albert Almora, or not Epstein, but Hoyer? Um, yeah. Or did they just did they just outright say like we're not going to have these guys on the team I, next year?
1: I think I read some blurb somewhere about a possible like re signing or something, but I I don't know. That doesn't seem likely. Um, uh, who knows? Um, as far as Almora, yeah, and to to speak to Almora fuck fuck him who gives a fuck gives a <laughs> you know I don't know like it would be yeah just to spend all this time on Schwarber and then Almora be like yep yeah, we, we thank him for his service um you know <laughs> glad he scored that run in game seven um you know I don't know Almora was even was like Schwarber to like um a millionth degree like with the bat like it's just like dude do you want to be on this team do you want to be in the major leagues like maybe stop grounding out to the friggin' third baseman um, especially with runners in scoring positions, so, like I love what he did with the glove, um, but like when with the bat, it just seemed like he didn't, he wasn't trying to be a, uh, he he was like, do I really have to hit? Like I, you know, like like what like are you actually trying? And so like I'm I'm uh, I'll you know he's also part of that 16 team, but uh, I that one I'll, I'll probably get over a little quicker than Schwarber.
0: Well, Jeremy, um, uh, th- there was something interesting. So he he scored the lead run in that 2016 World Series game, right? Like the run that put them ahead, if I'm yes. not mistaken. So the sequence yes. of that was, if I'm not mistaken, Schwarber in that game seven, Schwarber got a single mm-hmm. and was then pinch run for by Elmora. Mm-hmm. Chris Bryant hit a deep fly ball that Elmora tagged up on, and then who drove Elmora in from second? Was it Zobrist? Yep. Okay, uh, yeah, that's that's interesting though because the 2014 um, pick Kyle Schwarber got a single. He was pinch run for by the 2012 first round pick uh, Elmora, uh who was a, who advanced on a fly ball by the 2013 first round pick um, uh, Chris Bryant. So while it does suck that uh, you know this, it seems like this the era of this team uh, is over. Uh, they did they did really hit on those draft picks in the first couple of years. Um, uh, you know, after Epstein got here, those first round picks, that's uh that's good success. And ultimately, like, I think those guys got the job done. They, they did what they were supposed to do. They won a world series. Um, for Cubs fans, it must be a shame that they didn't reach the world series again. I'm not trying to give you any smack there. I'm actually, you know, <laughs> legitimately saying it must be, must've been disappointing. I will say this though, Jeremy, my tinfoil hat moment. I'm not a big conspiracy theory guy. But, um, you know, I think this was first reported in the book The Cubs Way that Jason Hayward like gave a speech during the rain delay that like r- uh rallied the team and kind of revved everybody up, got everybody's spirits going again after the Indians tied it when they uh when they were down three um i I will die on the hill of saying that that speech never happened, never happened <laughs> jeremy it didn't happen i you know i'm not a I'm not a flat earther. And I think that we went to, I think that we went to the moon, but like, I don't think this Jason Hayward thing ever happened, man. You can call me a conspiracy theorist all you want, but like, you know, they paid the guy $184 million. He never did shit in those playoffs. Like he's never really done shit as a cub. He's won a couple gold gloves maybe, I guess, (laughs) but like they, you know, they made that whole thing up. Tom Verducci reported it, but like he wasn't back there. They didn't let any press back there. Uh, so yeah, the only people that we can trust about this are people from the Cubs organization that said it happened. So, okay, maybe it, wow. maybe it happened, but Hey, ultimately no one else saw it, but the, but the interested parties. So wow, I will Jack, say well, that.
1: Well, now you're really, now you're really, uh, now you're really tearing down the legacy. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, you know, um, we're going to say next, like Superman is, uh, just a guy in, in a cape, uh, and a pair <laughs> of tights. Um, <laughs> Well, I mean, like, so I mean that report that like story came out like right away when this when the game was over. Oh, did um, it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's I. Are, is that the first time you heard about it in the book, Jack? No,
0: I, I had known okay. about it. I wasn't sure who first reported it. I thought maybe okay. it was Ver, Verducci, but yeah. it, it might
1: have been when he was on the field, like interviewing guys post game. But they were they talked about it right away. The one thing I'll say about that, Jack, not to uh, just for the record, I'm not uh, I do not agree with this man. <laughs> his 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 views do not. I uh, represent the views of Rain Delay Theater or Jeremy Dionisio. Um, but <laughs> I will say that I've always been, um, I've always been, for something that's so like, um, so like, like entrenched in the lore of that 16 team, um, there's never really been a fu- uh, like a proper retelling of what exactly he said. Like the <laughs> closest, like, I know people were asking, they're like, Jason, what did you say? And like, he's like, you know, just told the guys I love him. Uh, and like, like, that seems to be, like, the main thing is that, like, he told them that he loves them. Uh, <laughs> like, they asked other guys, and, like, they're like, yeah, you know, he just rounded us together and you know told us to keep our heads in the game and we belong. like And, like, there was one recounting that, like, almost seemed to kind of, like, try to, like, recount it, like, verbatim or whatever. And it was – honestly, I don't know what he was doing in the room, but on, on the page, it doesn't really jump out <laughs> at you as, as something that's going to motivate you to win the World Series. Um, so – yeah, I, I'm not uh I'm not going there. <laughs> um I'm not going there to discount that that because um if that's if that was uh Jason Hayward's contribution to that to that World Series, um, then I guess it's worth the money that they've paid him, uh, because they won the World Series. Um but uh but yeah, it's always that's that has always kind of like struck me as odd. Like, you know, like why don't we have a full recounting of what this speech was. So
0: <laughs> Yeah, hey no no two stories seem to be the same, Jeremy. No nobody can get their stories straight. It's like when they call uh you know call call guys in a police investigation like uh you know like different people they're interviewing like okay yeah. man like we, we gotta get our stories straight here for the cops. You know, it's one of those things where it's like the like, Cubs nobody like can Rashomon. get their yeah, yeah, like Rashomon. It's like everybody, uh, yeah, everybody has a different telling of what actually happened there. Um, <laughs> yeah. And hey, Jeremy, if you if you say that, like, yeah, the if he made that speech to help them win the World Series, it's uh, you know it justifies the big contract. Like, hey, that's what they want you to think, man. It's exactly <laughs> what they want you to think. Um, so, uh, so Tony La Russa, um, uh announced his his full coaching staff, right? Yeah. Uh, this week I saw that Miguel Cairo was the bench coach.
1: Yeah. Miguel Cairo who may come up here in a, in a second. Um, but, uh, yeah, Miguel Cairo is their bench coach. Um, it's kind of funny. Like the, the athletic article talking about it, they, they make a note of saying how much that Joe McEwing was, um, like a beloved player of Tony La Russa when he managed him. Uh, but then they, but then he was demoted from bench coach to third base coach. I don't know. If, <laughs> I, I, you know, I guess that's a demotion. Um, but, uh, but yes, it's like, yeah, you know, love the guy. You're not my bench coach though, like Miggy is, uh, old, good old Miguel Cairo. So um it's kind of funny, Miguel Cairo comes up in both of these uh conversations um that we're gonna be talking about here in a little bit. Um but I don't Jack, did you see um so I couldn't find this in the article, but it's on the White Sox website. Um their analytics coordinator. Did no, I didn't see is? I didn't see that well it's not dave duncan but it's none other than Shelley duncan
0: yeah he was a, a player right yeah i remember him as a player um yeah is he is he related to dave duncan
1: yeah yeah he's he's, he's his son
0: <laughs> oh really is he
1: yeah so wow. um yeah so uh you know um shoot i'm trying to i was trying to google everything right there but yeah he's the son um uh, you know, I guess Chris Duncan maybe had like the better baseball career, I guess. Mm -hmm. But, um, Shelly Duncan, yeah, he was on the Yankees. Um, I saw him in the minor leagues, uh, play a game, uh, between the, um, uh, Indianapolis Indians and the Columbus Clippers. Um, so, uh, yeah. And like Pedro Alvarez was in that game, uh, as a rookie. Oh, wow. Um, And so was, um, uh, Carlos Santana as well. um, or, you know, as a prospect minor leaguer. Uh, but Shelly Duncan was in that game, like, kind of still trying to hang on, I guess. Um, but, but yeah, he's their analytics coordinator, I guess. So um, you had to have a Duncan on the roster, I guess, or on the yeah, staff.
0: Yeah, keep, keeping it in the family, Jeremy, I feel like it's, um, it's a big thing with these, like, old-school managers to give people they know jobs. Uh, I mean, it was a big thing with, like, Tommy. I mean, Tommy Lasorda is the reason that Mike Piazza got drafted. Um, Joe Torre is who was like friends with Mike Borzello's dad or something like he got Mike Borzello his first job in baseball as like a Yankees bullpen catcher um you know and and you know kind of the it you know and and it goes on and this is just kind of another example of that uh, I don't know how Shelley Duncan is going to do as the analytics coordinator but uh <laughs> I will say I would I would question uh whether or not he would have that job if his dad was not you know best friends with Tony Larusa.
1: Yeah, well, um, maybe um he might want to learn how to run like some cable and connect a TV to a camera in center field and that <laughs> might help him out uh with his coordinating and his analytics. Um but uh but yeah, so so he's on the he's on the he's on the staff I guess, but um uh yeah. so there'll be a Duncan, you know, Shelly da- Shelley Duncan maybe you know, if Tony La Russa, like lives forever, uh, you know, maybe Shelly Duncan can end up becoming like his go-to hitting coach or something for, uh, you know, for the rest of his career. I
0: don't know, but, um, <laughs> um, yeah. Dar- yeah, Daryl Boston is hanging on as the first base, uh, first base coach. I like that. Um, uh, yeah, Joe McEwing, I remember him. Um, he, he was on that 98 Cardinals team when Mark McGuire broke the, uh, broke the home run record. Okay. And they, they called Joe McEwing, they called him Little Mac, which I always thought was really stupid. Um, Oh
1: God, he was little Mac. I remember yeah, he that, was, but I, could, yep. I didn't,
0: he was little Mac. I guess, I guess I, yeah, it makes sense. Mac Ewing. Yeah. I thought that was so stupid. Um, you know, cause oh, it's, it's like pathetic. Yeah. It's like, you know, who the, who who the, who's this guy? Um, yeah. So that was and like, I wouldn't want to have that name if I was, uh, uh, you know, a baseball player. It's like, no, like, he was
1: a gr- he was a grown ass man. Like it's yeah. not like he was like a little kid. Like he, like Mark McGuire's kid should be Little Mac, not like a a guy who's maybe like five years younger than him or something. Like, that's <laughs> that's humiliating.
0: Um, yeah, so so kind of a good mix of uh, of the old and the the new for the White Sox coaching staff. I would be excited about that that pitching coach Ethan Katz. He's the he's apparently he's the guy who righted the ship for uh, Lucas Giolito. Um, he was Lucas Giolito's high school pitching coach, and I think he's had a job with the, you know, in the major leagues, maybe with the Giants for the last couple of years as yeah. a roving as a roving instructor or something. Um, so yeah, I would be I would be pretty excited about him if I was a White Sox fan. It seems like he might be a, a rising star in the baseball ranks.
1: Yeah, that's that's kind of cool. Um, see what he can do with the rest of those uh, arms that are uh, on that team. Um, so yeah, I mean that might be one good move that Larusa did make. I don't even know. That almost seems like something like it's like the players got together and they're like, hey, we hate La Russa. We uh Like, Reinsdorf, we're pissed at you for hiring him. Like, you need to hire us a coach that us players want. And then, like, they're like, how about the guy who turned Giolito around? And they're like, all right, fine. Like, you know. <laughs> I don't know
0: but, uh, but, yeah, it should be interesting. Um. So, Jeremy, you mentioned that Miguel Cairo was going to come up again. So we were actually going to talk about – some rule 5 guys today as well as since it's the 19 uh, episode 98 we were going to talk about uh the two the rosters of the two expansion teams from 1998 the Tampa Bay Devil Rays and the Arizona Diamondbacks as well um so yeah Miguel Cairo he was a uh, he was a rule 5 guy if i'm not mistaken right
1: Yeah he was a rule 5 guy from the Cubs um <clears throat> let me uh find that really quick um i remember when the cubs lost him um why can't i find it now um i'm trying to find it on a base on a yeah if you find it first let me know but sure uh, yeah absolutely
0: well jeremy i was i was going to say should we uh maybe we should explain real fast what the uh rule 5 draft is um just a just a real quick explanation if now correct me if i'm wrong here jeremy the rule 5 draft is uh every year so the teams have to have a 40 man roster and so every year around this time there's a uh, there's a draft where teams can basically scoop up players who are not on a team's uh 40 man roster and put them on their own 40 man roster but the thing is they need to stay on the major league roster for all of the next season or else they have to go back to the team they were selected from. Is that is that basically the gist of the rule five draft?
1: Yeah, pretty much. Um uh-huh. <clears throat> and sorry, I was I was trying to also find uh, perhaps I'm mistaken now about the Miguel Cairo thing, but I, I could have swore that I saw him pop up on the rule five uh list. He's definitely on the other list, um, that we'll be talking about later. But um <clears throat> yeah, uh yeah, once a guy gets a certain age, uh they are eligible if they're not in the forty man they're eligible to be taken by the rule five draft but um, they have to remain jack is it is it the whole season or is it ninety days or what do you know what the rule is
0: um uh actually uh i don't know if it's i i, I want to say it's the full season i'm going to look it up here in a second okay but yeah. uh they, yeah, they have um, to
1: re- they have you can look it up they have to remain on the on the major league roster by whoever drafts them uh they have to remain on the major league roster for a certain amount of days. Or else they have to be given back to the team from whom they drafted him
0: uh, yeah and now. and the 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 cool uh so yeah, they have to uh, be on the on the active twenty five man roster and not on the disabled list for a minimum of ninety days okay that's um right. yeah 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 and what's so what's cool about the rule five draft, i guess uh, what i'm getting to is that um you're going to see guys on the major league roster who probably shouldn't be on a major league roster, or maybe shouldn't be, which is, uh, which is always kind of cool. It's a, it's a good opportunity for these guys who are picked in the rule five draft to like, you know, get in some games. Uh, so it's, uh, it's neat. Uh, the, Bre- the Brewers had one a couple years ago named Wee Chung Wang. And uh, he was terrible. He was absolutely awful. He had no business, he had no business being on uh, on on a, on a major league roster, but you know, there he was. Uh uh who's your favorite Rule 5 guy of all time Jeremy? Do you, do you remember a guy with the Cubs?
1: Well, I remember I re- I know the Cubs lost a couple like Rule 5 guys, but um um <clears throat> they had a guy David Patton, a pitcher uh from the uh Reds um who was not good. Um but he was I remember him being on the team. Uh yeah, I kind of more so remember the guys that the Cubs lost in the Rule Five Draft. They lost uh, Ryan Flaherty. I remember a couple okay. years ago. Yep, um, <clears throat> who was with the Orioles for for a bit. Uh, they lost Marwin Gonz- Gonzalez uh, in 2011, mm-hmm. which uh, you know maybe he's a guy who who could start in left field maybe, uh, <laughs> for the for Schwarber. I could see them signing him now uh, in the next couple of days. But um, but yeah, uh, one guy that kind of jumps out to me that that's kind of funny is um, Jack. Did you ever hear of a guy named Donnie Veal.
0: No, I haven't.
1: Okay, so he was a left handed pitcher. Um he got he was a rule five pick from the Cubs by the Pirates. Um let me look up his uh baseball reference because um he absolutely never did anything in the majors. Um but yeah so in oh nine uh he, he got drafted by the uh Pirates in like um in the rule five draft and uh <clears throat> like or I guess in 08, um, but uh, he, he has major league stats here. It might have, maybe he was, like, in the minor league portion of the Rule 5 draft or something, but he appeared in 19 games for the 09 Pirates with a 716 ERA. Um, but then he was signed by the White Sox, and I remember, like, Steve Stone, like, lauding Donny Veal and saying, like, you know, <laughs> this guy is really special or something or he's going to be big. It looks like, according to his baseball reference, like, he didn't pitch between 09 and and 2012, so he was not. He didn't appear um, in 2010 or 2011, and then in 2012 he appeared in 24 games with the White Sox, with a 138 ERA uh, and one save. Uh, but then if you look at his numbers after that, they're just – they're they're garbage and, uh, you know, he never really did anything. But uh, that's kind of like – that's just like one of those names that, like, I always think about. And uh, maybe he had some promise for, like, a second. Um, <laughs> and uh, then, you know, just was nothing.
0: Yeah, he was a second-round pick too. So, you know, I think yeah. a lot of times with those uh, real high-round picks, the guys get a – they get a lot of chances just because teams have spent so much time – uh, you know, scouting guys like that, and they got such big signing bonuses. But yeah, uh, he, he definitely, from his baseball reference, that guy looks. Um uh, unremarkable. Although his, his Twitter handle is at RealDeVeal, which is a good – that's a good Twitter handle. Um, <laughs> we Chung, we Chung Wang, Jeremy, just to kind of follow up on him. Uh, so when he was on the Brewers, he had never played above high A ball, which is kind of cool. So it's like you see this guy uh, never played above high A ball. All of a sudden, he's a 22-year-old guy, um, you know, in the major leagues. His ERA for the 2014 Brewers that year, he had a 1090 ERA in 14 games. 17 and a third innings pitched uh 30 hits 21 earned runs allowed and six home runs uh so that is uh yeah that's pretty ugly but uh but yeah so that's my favorite thing about the rule five draft there's a couple a couple guys i didn't know had been rule five guys uh uh, well here's one that i read about in the cubs way but hector rondon was actually a rule five selection by the cubs from the rangers i believe
1: yeah he Jack, I saw him in that same game with the uh, Columbus uh, Clippers and the Indianapolis Indians. He oh man, you saw game.
0: all you saw all sorts of guys in that game.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, there's the list goes on further. Like Pedro Alvarez, I saw um, Jose Tabata, who like stuck in oh, the majors for a while. Yeah, fa- um,
0: Jose is claimed to fame is ruining Max Scherzer's perfect game.
1: Oh yeah. Did he throw a bunt down?
0: No, no, what he did was he like he had he had a fucking um like uh, bionic uh like elbow protector on his yeah, elbow okay. and like he uh he like leaned into a pitch and like it, it hit the elbow protector and then it like right. r- it ruined Max Scherzer's perfect game. Max Scherzer had I think he had two strikes on him. Two. Mm-hmm. Um and then he fucking back to me. Yeah, man, he fucking leaned into that pitch. Scherzer got the no hitter, but like he would have had a would have had a perfect game uh, yeah, so fuck Jose Tabata. That guy's like a lifetime, a lifetime scrub. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, you saw him too. That's that's pretty cool. I feel yeah. like uh, Pedro Alvarez too. That guy's like the biggest disappointment ever. Um, that yeah. just like, uh, you know, ended up being a, a minor league game of like future lost souls.
1: Yeah. No, for real. Um, yeah. Uh, you know. Jose San- or Carlos Santana, like, even was looking like kind of like a, a flame out too for a little bit. Um, but I guess he's kind of like righted the ship, uh, you know, I guess <laughs> a little bit. But, um, but yeah, so I thought that was interesting. Um, <clears throat> I also, let's see here. Uh, I didn't know that Dylan Covey was, um, was a Rule Five guy in 2016. And Jack, I mean, we saw him, that was probably like when we first saw him. And you know, came to know him as a bad White Sox pitcher. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, that was when a, we first we started seen him pitch. We never yeah. seen him pitch that year, right?
0: Oh yeah, I think we did. Yeah, I mean, I, I was going to say, Jeremy, it's like, yeah, that's that's when we first started seeing him get his brains beat in with the White <laughs> yeah. Sox so it was twenty. Yeah, yeah it was yeah. He so he started with them in twenty seventeen. Yeah, my God, he had a terrible year in twenty seventeen too. He was zero and seven with a seven seventy one ERA and 70 innings. But uh, yeah. yeah, it looks like he stayed on that roster for 90 days.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I, I get why these, no, these numbers are looking weird to me. It's because like they're saying what year it took place, but then they, it would have been the next baseball year that, that they, they played. played. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so yeah, he was drafted in the 2016 rule five draft, but that was leading into the 2017 season. So that, that makes sense. Um, but yeah, I, I, I kind of didn't know that I, because quite honestly jack i never cared to look up where dylan covey came from all i knew is that he was standing in front of me on the mound sucking and that when i could have seen like maybe somewhat of a serviceable pitcher you know i would have rather <laughs> seen james shields uh, give up like five homers in a game than dylan covey um you know at least at least shields gave him up quick like covey would just like walk the bases loaded and then hit the next guy or something so yeah
0: right and, and at least like with shields you know it'll it'll be kind of funny because he'll probably like swear into his glove after he gives up the home run yeah. um Kobe yeah his uh, he pitched this year he pitched in 2020 with the Red Sox you know I wouldn't have been able to tell you he was on the Red Sox if my life depended on it I think I um, saw
1: that I had seen that uh, at some point in the year and I'm like wow like the Red Sox have really fallen on hard times
0: yeah, his his career ERA is six fifty seven. Three out of the four major league seasons he's pitched in, he's had an ERA over seven. In his best season, his ERA was five eighteen in one hundred twenty one and, and two thirds innings. This guy sucks, man. Like he's <laughs> he's terrible. He's one of the worst pitchers in baseball. Yeah. <laughs> his career record is six and twenty nine.
1: Well, and the White Sox not only drafted him in the rule five pick, but kept him on the roster all year. So there you <laughs> and, go.
0: And two years after that. So yeah. uh yeah, so there you go. Dylan Dil- is it Dylan Covey or is oh no, it's Dylan Covey. Okay. Is it, it says okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I've made this joke on the uh podcast before, but it's like an American movie when he says, No nah, man, it's it's Coven, not Coven. That sounds like oven. Yeah, yeah. Um <laughs> that's what I think about when I hear Dylan Covey.
1: Exactly. Um, you know, one thing, one one last thing about the Rule Five Draft uh, before we move on. Um, uh, I feel like a lot of people don't remember that Josh Hamilton was actually drafted by the Cubs in the Rule Five Draft pick, or in the Rule Five Draft from the Devil Rays. Um, so you know, he was famously like drafted by the Devil Rays, and you know, had his issues that never really made it uh, to the majors with the Devil Rays. The Cubs drafted him in that Rule Five pick and that Rule Five Draft. Um, but then traded him to the reds for cash basically. So Josh Hamilton was a cub for like, you know, 20 minutes or something.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, uh, he was the number one overall draft pick too, wasn't he? Uh, I believe so. Yeah. He's had a, he, he had a strange career. Um, when yeah. he was, uh, you know, before he really got going for those couple of years with Texas. Um, yeah. And he actually did end up playing with the reds a little bit in, uh, 2007 played 90 games for them. Um, yeah. Uh one one more guy that was a Rule Five guy, Jeremy, that stuck out to mm-hmm. me was this is this is a long time ago, but it was uh Graham Lloyd. Do you remember Graham uh, Lloyd?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. Big big Australian guy. Uh he played with the Brewers for a little while. Um he ended up being on the Yankees and I think he was a two time World Series champion, which is just like that's just like a disgrace. That uh, you know, Graham Lloyd has two World Series rings. Um, but yeah, the the Brewers at one point had two Australian players, Graham Lloyd and Dave Nilson, and it's like you mm-hmm. know that's that's where the Brewers were at in the in the '90s was like <laughs> you know signing players from Australia, the, you know the the yeah, baseball hotbed of Australia.
1: Yeah, exactly. They're like, we got to get a guy out to Australia. We hear there's some big things going on. <laughs> <laughs> okay go ahead and they're like why isn't anyone else here <laughs> like fool but what fools <laughs> um, but yeah so um so yeah there you go uh so just a little bit of rule five there um the rule five pick you know it came up in a couple uh, episodes ago so we figured we'd, we'd touch on it the rule five draft is coming up like next week i guess so we'll see uh the cubs have an opening uh for an outfielder so um <laughs> maybe they'll draft someone and he'll stand the goddamn roster for the whole year um, and then they'll try to tell us that they're contending, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, so, so there you go. Uh, there's the rule five, um, but Jack uh, to, to kind of jump on uh, the thread that we had for the 19, for the, for episode 93, where we talked about the, about the expansion 93 uh, Marlins and Rockies uh, this is episode 98. So we figured we should talk about the 1998 Tampa Bay devil rays, and the nineteen ninety eight Arizona Diamondbacks.
0: Yeah, uh that you know, that sounds good to me, Jeremy. Um so I, I let's uh let's do the Diamondbacks first. I was really into the Arizona Diamondbacks, like their first year. I remember I think I got a Diamondbacks hat that year. Um so I was all about them. They uh they did they did well in attendance. They they drew about three point six million fans. That was uh second out of sixteen teams. So that's pretty cool. Uh, the, fans, uh, the fans were excited to get baseball in, in Phoenix, so they came out to see the team. Uh, Buck Showalter was the manager. The old-school manager, Buck Showalter, was, uh, was managing the Diamondbacks. See, uh, so, you know, they, they got a name guy. Uh, yeah. The team finished 65-97 and 97 that year, which is awful. Um, and they had, uh, they had some interesting players on there. I remember I really, I really liked uh, Travis Lee when i was a when I was a kid, for no reason, he was just one of those guys that I kind of latched onto um, yeah. uh so you know I, he was like kind of a big prospect. People thought maybe he was going to be pretty good, so uh he looked you know like they... a
1: guy who was going to be good, but he <laughs> looks can be deceiving
0: <laughs> yeah, so he um so yeah he uh he debuted with the Diamondbacks. Uh, and oddly enough, he finished his career with the Devil Rays. So like he was on he was on both expansion teams within their first ten years of existence. Uh, they also had so he was their first baseman. They also had Kelly Stinnett as their catcher, the journeyman Kelly Stinnett. Do you remember him, Jeremy?
1: Yeah, I do. I'm I'm looking at their baseball reference. Like their they do like you know baseball reference. If you look at a team from a specific year, gives their like I guess top twelve players in war and uh it's pretty wild to see some of these guys who made this the top 12 like andy andy fox was like is is one of those weird guys who like was supposed to become like some kind of like hero like i don't know if hometown hero but like he was supposed to be like some guy and he just never turned into anything and then like yeah kelly stannett was their eighth ranked war guy um which is pretty shocking i would say
0: Oh yeah. Um and yeah, no, they also had uh like George Fabregas. They had Devon White, Devon in yeah. you know, the the very late in his career. Uh he actually had a good season for them, twenty two home runs, uh eighty five RBIs and twenty two stolen bases. He played in hundred and forty six games. I, I don't remember Devon White being on that Diamondbacks team at all, but it's kind of yeah. cool that he was uh that he was on there. Yeah, he was a three time All Star, uh three time World Series uh champion um and, uh, and a gold glover as well so he's actually you know um he's a, he's a little bit too uh late in the game for a baseball uh resume uh, not baseball resume but for a history lesson but he he's kind of a forgotten guy who was really good uh in the in the 80s and, and 90s so uh, i was always a fan of devon white from the blue jays
1: yeah for sure um yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know, like, um, you know, Jay Bell was on that team, Matt Williams, like, two guys who would end up being on that World Series team, uh, just, uh, three years later, mm-hmm. um, Damian Miller, uh, by, yeah. uh, you know, acclaimed, uh, by Mark Bubblebath is a guy who's no fun to hang out with, <laughs> um, yeah, uh, you know, I wish I knew more about Andy Fox, like, do you know anything about Andy Fox, Jack?
0: All I remember about Andy Fox is that he played a bunch of different positions, um, okay. and I remember he was on the Marlins too. I'm looking up his. Yep, yeah, he was on the Marlins for a couple of years as yeah. well. Uh, I guess so I, he was just.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, he he was just drafted by the the Yankees in the second round in 1989. So I think he was just like a guy who, you know, the the Yankees were like expecting to become like you know a guy like you know part of the dynasty or something and i think he just never did anything uh, he appeared um he he appeared in uh 135 games over two years with the uh, yankees but uh he hit uh a total of 200 so um you <laughs> can see why they didn't protect him in the uh rule fi- or in the uh, in the expansion draft and then he got gobbled
0: up yeah, and uh, uh 98 is uh that was actually his high water mark uh as a as a major league baseball player. He played in 139 games and he had over 500 at bats somehow. Um he had 277 with nine home runs, which for a guy who was probably primarily playing second base for that Diamondbacks team, that's not bad production for them. Um and yeah, you know, they did have a couple of veteran guys like Jay Bell and uh matt williams as well this was probably uh you know maybe a year or two after matt williams had really been a stud for the giants so uh Mm -hmm. i could imagine team uh the diamondbacks being pretty excited about uh about having him matt williams has kind of a weird picture on his baseball reference uh (laughs) as well he's a little he's looking a little intense in that picture
1: yeah he's looking like he's gonna bench uh bryce harper uh, for not running out <laughs> to first base to, to prove some stu- some stupid point um but uh but yeah uh yeah that's that's uh that's interesting just the the concept of matt williams wearing like it's kind of like he's he's almost like the charlie huff of the first year expansion team like just a kind of an kind of like a meat and potatoes kind of like old school like guy having to wear like you know um uh teal and uh and whatever like colors like uh like weird green and teal colors, uh like or you know and purple. purple. Yeah. purple yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so um I'll say man, I did not of uh, speaking of guys who I did not know were on the, the damn team, I do not remember Greg Olson as the closer of the like first year of the inaugural Diamondbacks team. Oh God. Um, yeah, that's crazy. I mean, it was, and he was only thirty-one. Like he probably that was that could not have been his last year in baseball. Um, no, no, he was with the Diamondbacks for two years and then the Dodgers for two years. But I mean, like you know, he was he was really good on the uh, Orioles for a while there. But uh, I guess his career really did kind of fall off a cliff. I wonder if he had like TJ and maybe never recovered or something. Um, but uh, but yeah, ended up may yeah I don't know. I guess he maybe had like a you know, a comeback year that year or something, uh, with the uh with the Diamondbacks. But um yeah, it's kind of interesting to, to look at that the pitching staff as well. You know, you got Andy Bennis there. Um mm-hmm. he was like their number one guy. Brian Anderson was their number one pick overall, right? In the experience He was,
0: he was. Um so yeah, I was I was looking at Brian Anderson, wondering why they had, had selected him as, as number one overall. Um yeah. Uh, And it, it doesn't, uh, it didn't make sense to me Um, because he had been in the major leagues for parts of uh, five seasons before that with the angels and the Indians. Um, He was, he was a known commodity. I mean, he had probably appeared in uh, like 60 games. um, Most of them starts and probably had, he had almost 300 innings under his belt. He had over 300 innings under his belt um, and he never had a good ERA. His ERA was like five every single season yeah. And then the the Diamondbacks picked him as number one uh, overall yeah. in in the expansion draft.
1: He was third. He was picked third overall in the '93 draft. So maybe yep. they like thoughts. So. And he was 26, maybe 25. Like mm-hmm. that year was his tw- age 26 year. So maybe they're like there's still something here. But like um, you know, I don't know. But but he actually did end up being. Okay, well, I guess not. Um, I just. <laughs> I just I he was like a mainstay. Yeah, he was a mainstay for the Diamondbacks for a couple of years and he was on that 01 team I remember, but but yeah, yeah, you look at his numbers and they're not good. So I don't know. Yeah, I am not really sure what what was going on there, but um but yeah, kind of Yeah, and funny. he he allowed
0: uh he allowed 39 home runs uh in 208 innings in that 1998 season. So he was uh he was ahead of his time as far as that goes. Um they also had Omar Dahl on their team as well. I'm I'm going to look it up Jeremy, but I seem to remember Omar Dahl being a really good hitter. Do you remember that? Uh,
1: yeah, that makes sense. I was like there's some reason why I know him and that that could be it.
0: Let me see. Oh, career 196 average, two home runs and is okay, so I don't know why the hell I thought he, that Omar Dahl was he, a good hitter. Um,
1: he must have done something. There must have been some some reason why we remember Omar Dahl. Um but uh <laughs> he might have maybe he got like one significant hit or something
0: well in um, in the year 2000 yeah in the year 2000 he uh he went four and 19 which is okay. pretty uh w- with a 614 era for arizona and philadelphia so it's yeah it's it's hard to lose that many games um and that may have been one of those things too where they like they protected him at the end of the year from from losing 20 and stopped starting him i don't know but uh, so maybe that's why I remember him. Uh, maybe in like one of me and my dad's Stratomatic seasons, maybe 2000, because I'm seeing we did play a 2000 season briefly. And I see that he did have a good year at the plate in 2000. He had 267 <laughs> okay. with a home run and six RBIs. So maybe that's why I remember him being a good hitter, <laughs> even though he most certainly was not.
1: Could be. Could be, Jack. Do you, Jack, do you know the name Amari Talamako at all?
0: Um, No, I, I saw his name on there and I don't I do not recall that guy at all.
1: Yeah, he was, uh, he was a mid-'90s Cub um, or late-'90s Cub, I guess. Um, and I think he had, like, a good debut game or something, but uh, um, definitely just one of those, like, goofball Cubs when you're, like, going back <laughs> and, and, like, looking at guys. Um, uh, yeah, he threw a one-hitter. Um, he threw seven innings of shutout, one-hit baseball in his uh, Major League debut uh, for the Cubs, um, and then, you know, just became not good after that one <laughs> game basically but um yeah it's like it's like you know like actually one of the, one of my favorite jokes of a uh, major league is um <laughs> when they're reading the rosters you know at the beginning the beginning uh-huh. and they they're like just looking at the names and they're like you know who is this and like they're like Willie Mays Hayes. And like one guy goes, Mitchell Friedman. (laughs) It's like like Mitchell. That's like a name that that player doesn't exist. Like he's not a character in the movie, Um, but like, it's just like a name they threw in. I wonder if it was like, you know, the writer, the screenwriter's like childhood friend or something. Yeah. It just sounds like a bad baseball player. Mitchell. Like if you had a, if you were a fan of like, like, it, being a fan of of the Cubs in the '90s, it, you could see them having a guy named Mitchell Friedman on the team. It's just like this guy, that guy is not a good player, whoever he is. <laughs> um, so it's like Amari Telemaco, Oh my God, I remember that guy. You know, something like that.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, I. Uh, so yeah, I don't recall him at all. It, although he does sound like sort of the the Steve Wardard of the uh, of the Cubs. <laughs> you know, he had one one good outing and just and just sucked after that. Yeah, um totally. And and also, yeah, he also hung around for quite a while too. he pitched until 2005. Um, one thing we did Jeff Supon uh as a baseball resume yeah. back when we were doing that a long time ago. Uh yeah, and I could not have told you for the life of me that he pitched for the Diamondbacks at all, but yeah, he did make 13 starts for them in that 1998 season. So uh, you know, so there you go. Did did we just
1: run down Jeff Supon's like career recently or his numbers or something because like I like he was um he was only 23 on that on this Diamondbacks team, but he had already pitched uh, like he debuted at age 20,
0: um which is crazy. Uh, yeah, he
1: because I, I I can only think of him as an old guy.
0: <laughs> no, yeah, no kidding. For a guy who seemed like he threw junk his whole career, uh, it's amazing that he debuted at age 20. Yeah. Um, you know, he doesn't seem like some like young fireballer who would uh who would be called up to to come and pitch. I'm gonna, I want I want to look at what his minor league numbers were. Uh yeah, yeah, pretty good. I mean, you know, he had a 218 in rookie ball, ERA 326 ERA and 330 ERA is 2 years in the minors for Boston. So he was he was doing okay, I guess. I I
1: wish there was a way you could quantify this, but like if if we if you could quantify this, I have to imagine that Jeff Supon has got to be like at least in the top 10 of like worst players to hang around as long as they did like the guy debuted at age 20 in 95 retired uh after age 37 in 2012 and his career ERA is a 470 and it just never looked any it's hard to find like a good year in this whole batch like <laughs> how like how did actually how did he have like that i feel like yeah it's just he consistently had an ERA in the upper 4s basically
0: he did um, he never never made an all-star team which, when you're around as long as, as long as he was, and you pitch, you know, and you're in, a, you're in the starting rotation every year. I mean, he probably had at least a dozen years, if not, yeah, a dozen years of 30-plus starts. Um, and he never, he never made an all-star team. That's kind of hard to do, you know, when you, when you look at guys who've been around for 15, 20 years in the league. Usually they make, like, one all-star team. It yeah. never happened. never happened for him.
1: No you know, and jack you know we did like the uh we did that episode a couple of years ago like of best players to never make the all star team um we should we should do like worst players to never make the all star team but played like more than ten years or something you know give yeah, me some sort of, sort of like the there.
0: opposite of a of a hall of fame candidate you know for like the <laughs> yeah. the worst the worst of fame you've gotta have like uh worst you know of fame. <laughs> <laughs> you've gotta you've gotta you gotta play ten years but you you had to suck for the whole time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> man I
1: oh god that's a great that's a great band name that's a great uh, show <laughs> like you know I that worst of oh my god worst of fame is the best um that's that's really great Jack <laughs> um uh yeah I I it's crazy um uh shit I was gonna say yeah. something else too well okay. Jeff Jeff
0: Zipon, I was looking here too Jeremy he made 58 million dollars in his career um, crazy. so yeah, good, good work crazy. if you can get it, I guess.
1: Yeah. wasn't even a lefty either. Um, <laughs> that is crazy. No, Jack, I remember what I was going to say is one year in a uh, fantasy baseball, I did a, a bad league. I called it the bad league. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, you can obviously like in fantasy baseball, you want a guy, you, you get points or whatever for home runs, hits, batting average wins saves. And so I did a thing where like, it was a points league. Where you got subtracted points if they like got a win or something like that, but you got a point if they struck out or if they threw like a wild pitch or whatever. Um, and so, yeah, I'm trying to think of like who the good guys like. I want to say like Robert Fick or something was like really sure. good
0: in the sure, bad. Sure, for league. the ti- for the Tigers, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Like, um, there were some guys like that that were like um, all stars like for the, for the bad league. It was pretty. It was pretty. It was kind of a pretty fun experiment to do for a <laughs> year. Um, but yeah, of course, leave it to me. That that was like you know my my early days of Rain Delay Theater, like betting on the uh, futility of baseball players, like having a a bad league. Uh, so that that was pretty fun.
0: No, that that is funny, Jeremy. It would be it would be fun to fun to do that again. Try to figure out the guys who would uh you know suck, give up the most home runs.
1: Yeah, because uh, they have to play. That was the thing they had to play. Like you wanted them to play every day because it's points. So like if they if they were so bad that they got benched, like sometimes if they were so bad they got sent down, you were like, oh no, like you know you lost the guy or whatever. So it was kind of an interesting like strategy uh, setup
0: yeah sure. could you also have like relievers on the team and stuff too, like yeah, see who's gonna blow the most saves? you know, I'll pick Kenley jansen you know, yeah
1: no, totally, like yeah, you had to like uh feel like you know a well rounded team. I tried to like set it up that way, but uh, <laughs> that would be fun, um man, if we could do like a all listener like if we could do like a listener league, <laughs> you know where people our listeners could join and we could do like a a bad league,
0: that would be quintessential Randlay theater for sure, absolutely. Um. Yeah. So, shall we move on to the '98 uh, Diamondbacks, Jeremy? Le- le- the
1: '98 uh, Devil Rays. '98 Devil,
0: Devil Rays. I mean, yes. Um. Let's do it. Uh. Yeah. First of all, the they had ugly ass hats that year. <laughs> Ooh, those look bad. They have like a TB and then a ray, like a stingray on them. Uh. Those are yeah. So those are some rough looking hats right there. Well, the,
1: I beg, uh, I beg to, as someone who owns that hat, Jack. I beg to differ. I, <laughs> I, I, I like I like the logo. Um they had like um so the hat that I have is just just the 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 devil ray um without the lettering in there. Uh-huh. Um but the lettering does totally read like 90s. Oh um, yeah. Like, like late 90s. Um but uh yeah, I, I mean I like the like the uh, gradient there in the like the color um but uh but yeah, and like the ray the ray is just a weird like animal to have like as a mascot like in in your logo. So, um yes, yeah, so I don't know. I, I I like that. And they kind of have brought it back in recent years like as an alternate uh hat for the for the Rays.
0: People people have always wondered, Jeremy, by by Tampa Bay Rays now. I mean, I think that their hat sort of dispels that in this picture when it has the picture of the stingray on it. But like now that they're called the Rays, do they mean rays like the stingray or the rays like the rays of the sun. Yeah. You know? I
1: mean, I think it's, I think it's the sun, right? Cause there's, there is like a little sun in their logo now, mm-hmm. but, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, well, I think that it's kind of funny that they like got rid of the devil because I think like, like for like religion, like for like superstitious reasons, like yeah. I think they, right. That's true, right? I, I,
0: yeah. I, I think it is, um, you know, maybe for soup. And what's funny too, is I think the year after they did that, they made the world series. Yeah. Um, Uh, But, yeah, you know, I think I I guess that uh, I think Tampa Bay Rays probably has a better ring to it than Devil Rays. Honestly, Tampa Bay Devil Rays makes it sound like it's a minor league team, Um, which, you know,
1: it's like the bootleg version of the major league team. Right.
0: Right. right. Um, Yeah. I mean, I I do. I will say that, like, you know, there's lots of like college teams that have the word devil in their name. Uh, Arizona State Sun Devils, uh, Duke Blue Devils uh DePaul Blue Demons. So like, you know, it's not a it's not an uncommon thing, but maybe a little bit too too racy for Major League Baseball. Um but uh regardless of that, uh so the the Tampa Bay Devil Rays in 1998, they finished uh 63 and 99. They finished in last place. Larry Rothschild was their manager. Um yep. so he was actually not a pitching coach for this yeah. team. He he was their uh he was their manager. Um <laughs>
1: Jack, I like I like the fact like you know Larry like I think most of us know Larry Rothschild as like former pitching coach for the Cubs and for the Yankees. Um, I like that the manager of the Devil Rays was a stepping stone up to <laughs> being pitching coach for the Cubs and the Yankees. Like, all right, all right, Larry, you can pay your dues managing uh, the major league team in Tampa Bay. Uh, you know, but but make sure you you put in some years there before you work your way up to pitching coach for the Yankees. Come on, let's be real
0: here. <laughs> um oddly enough too, Larry Rothschild I didn't know he wasn't the Yankees pitching coach anymore he's the pitching coach for the Padres now isn't he um yeah
1: uh yes yeah
0: I, yeah is that is that right like I yeah. I, I remember seeing him in the postseason like he came out to talk to a pitcher and I was like w- why is Larry Rothschild on the Padres now um and how did he end up there but uh yeah. yeah, I think we've we've talked about him as a guy who's just like a baseball cockroach. He's just going to he'll just always be around. He's a baseball lifer and there'll always be a, a high up job for him. Um I don't know who Tom Foley is as the farm director for the Tampa Bay Rays, but whenever I like look at these pages and I see farm director, I uh-huh. I just always I just always think of Lou Pinella uh talking about Steve Stone saying, <laughs> "Why doesn't he become a farm director? Get some kids up here." Uh yeah. Uh, so that's a field manager, but (laughs) yeah, that's such an old, yeah. Sometimes I'll say field manager now too. Um, (laughs) it's just such an old school, old school thing. Yeah. Um, Um, well one thing
1: before you move on too far, Jack, the scouting director for that team was Dan Jennings. Dan Jennings was the, was that poor bastard who uh, had him go in and manage the the Marlins for half a season or for a couple weeks at least or something Oh
0: god yeah he was their ge- he was like the general manager yeah. for the Florida Marl or the Miami Marlins right Yeah Oh my god and then he uh, he stepped in as manager that's kind of surreal yeah, you know? no, it's,
1: it's, it's absurd. He was the GM. Yeah. And then they, they had to go and put on the goddamn uniform and the hat and like manage the damn team. Uh, that was only in 2015, Jack, that seems like something that like would never happen again nowadays. Like, you know, <laughs> like, um, like wasn't Hawk Harrelson, was Hawk Harrelson an announcer before he was the GM for the White Sox?
0: Um yeah, I think he was. I think he was, and then Larry Dierker was an announcer for the Astros before he was the manager of the Astros if I'm not mistaken yeah, wasn't he
1: sure yeah 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 that's 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 correct i believe um but um but yeah, like the g m is just like that's j like it's just funny to to think of like he had a job where he wore a suit every day, and now he has to walk around with these fucking like white <laughs> you know spandex pants or whatever these like polyester pants and like a big hat and like 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 you know baseball shoes and it's like all right now i'm the manager it's like (laughs) you know what the hell man like um but and i forget what the like circumstances of that were but like the 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 team was oh it was like jeffrey loria right it was just like such a he he like was still the owner i think at that point and they were just such a mess that uh (laughs) something like they fired the manager like was that ozzy gian or no it was mike redman
0: Redman. they fired him and
1: then like dan jennings had to go in and be the manager what a joke man it's just a mess but
0: that would be like i mean yeah that would be like theo epstein like you know throwing on a cubs uniform and managing the cubs for like the last three weeks of the season yeah Um, totally it would just be totally surreal i was also looking at the coaching staff too for this team frank howard was the uh was a coach Uh, on this team um hondo uh player for the washington was it the washington senators i think um uh yeah so he was a where, where the hell are those coaches there God damn it I lost the page yeah where are but, the
1: coaches Jack I'm like
0: um yeah so if you if you scroll down um yeah but Frank Howard uh for those of oh, you who yeah, don't know, you know kind of yeah kind of a forgotten so he's the bench coach uh which is kind of cool he uh, Billy Hatcher was the first base coach uh at age 37 so a young a young Billy Hatcher former player uh yeah but Frank uh Frank Howard um had some really good seasons for the uh good good power numbers in an era in the 60s when guys really weren't hitting a lot of home runs he had 44 home runs in 1968 the year of the pitcher um yeah uh finished his career with 382 so not not quite good enough numbers for the hall of fame but he was uh yeah he was a prolific power hitter in his time
1: yeah i had and sold a frank howard autographed baseball card um because uh, he just he looks like his he he's not pho- he's one of the less photogenic players I'll say um, <laughs> in the history of baseball. Um, but he just looks bad like his baseball reference picture. He looks insane. Um, but uh, his he he looks similar on most of his baseball cards too. And so just to have him autograph a card where he has to look at it and be like I look crazy in this picture. Uh, I thought it kind of tickled <laughs> me. Uh, but then at some point I'm like you know what I should probably just sell this. I don't need this. Um, but uh, but yeah. So there you go. Um but uh yeah let's look at this roster Jack. Um you know so here's where Miguel, Miguel Cairo comes back. So Miguel Cairo was like um predominantly like the starting second baseman for the uh Devil Rays and he got drafted by the um the or he's drafted from the Cubs in the expansion draft. So I guess that's maybe where I was thinking about it. Um but uh he's also number 2 in WAR on that team uh for for that year, which is pretty crazy. Outranked Fred McGriff even
0: yeah he he did um and second only to Rolando Orojo uh as well so uh yeah yeah good for Miguel Cairo I was looking Jeremy I think that was his finest season um he played in 150 games hit 268 uh you know numbers that seem otherwise pedestrian but you know not when uh not when put up against other Miguel Cairo seasons um I'm actually going to look a little bit more in depth at his numbers here uh yeah, yeah, that was about as good as it got for him. It was nice. definitely, definitely as many the most games he ever played by uh, by quite a handful. They had uh, uh, Fred McGriff was on that team. Um, I I I've always like I seem to think that like Fred McGriff when I was a kid, like I thought he was just like finished when he signed with the Devil Rays. But he actually ended up playing quite a few more seasons after this 98th season. He was on the O the O what is it the two O two Cubs or the O four Cubs?
1: Um. Yeah. Uh... I want to say 0-2 or something, but I could be wrong.
0: Yeah, it was the uh, it was the 2002 Cubs, and he was uh, he was traded to them in 2001. Jeremy, I remember you yeah. sort of uh, always lamented that he took a he took a couple of weeks to figure out if he wanted to actually be traded <laughs> to the Cubs. <laughs>
1: yeah, really had to do some deep soul searching about it.
0: Right. Um, yeah, but yeah, Fred McGriff, uh, interesting player, uh, always kind of a. Uh, Controversial thing that he's not in the Hall of Fame, I think he was a Tampa Bay native, um which may have been why he signed with that team, and I want to say also so Wade bog ba- yeah, so he was born in Tampa Florida, uh also yeah, wade which is ba- also
1: why which is also why he didn't want to leave to go to the Cubs I yes that, that okay okay
0: well that makes that makes a little more sense then um Wade Boggs was also on this team as well um uh, yeah. he was also from, oh no, he he was from Omaha, Nebraska. I don't, for some reason I all, I like, I thought Wade Boggs was also from Tampa and that's why he ended up on the devil rays. But, uh, but no, he just, he finished the last, he finished his career there. Um, his age he 40. Got his 3,
1: 000, yeah, 40, Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. He got say, a 3000 hit. Yeah. As um, a, as a Ray and, um, it was, I think it was on a home run and, uh, he did that thing where he like, he like knelt down and kissed home plate when he scored, um, Hmm. Which like it was it was I guess it was nice, but it also looked weird and like all you could see was like his bald head <laughs> like when he when he did it. It was kinda not it's not a glamorous look, but um but uh but yeah, I uh that's one of the weird things. Like again, another he was like so Wade Boggs was like the the Diamondbacks, Matt Williams and the Charlie Huff to the to the Marlins. Just like a guy like a prestigious uh, like sure, like first ballot Hall of Famer, having to spend the rest of his career wearing this like ghastly Devil Rays uniform that had like big Devil Rays across the front um and it's like man really like you couldn't have gone out better than this like you could have just retired <laughs> you know um but uh but yeah so
0: Well I'll say this too Jeremy I've never really looked at it in this perspective but Wade Wade Boggs only finished with 3010 hits in his yeah. career so yeah. it it doesn't seem like anybody else really wanted to pick him up and so the Devil Rays yeah. are like, all right, we'll, you know, we'll let you get 3,000 hits with us. Uh, yeah, so that kind of sucks for him. I was going to say, Jeremy, we should, we should do a ranking. We would never be able to find it. But of like, uh, you know, best 3,000th hit to like worst 3,000th hit. Uh-huh. Um, George, I mean, Wade Boggs sounds like he's in the bottom tier for like kissing home plate. That's pretty lame. Uh, you know, George Brett would obviously be down, down on the list too. Like he got picked off after his 3000th hit. Yeah. So like, you know, I'm sure there's other, I'm sure there's others as well. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I I had seen a Devil Rays game early in their history. I think it was in 1998. So I probably saw Wade Boggs uh, on there um, on that team. Of course uh, the foul ball that, that we caught was off the bat of Royce Clayton and I don't see I don't see him on this roster, so maybe that wasn't 1998 that we went there. The catchers for this team were John Flaherty and Mike DeFelice, Ugh. a couple of guys that I always thought were pretty boring. Yeah. Um, Dave Martinez was on this team, yeah, future Dave, man, future manager Dave Martinez, who I believe was the bench coach on the 2016 Cubs World Series team.
1: Yep, that's correct. Um. Yeah. Pretty. Pretty crazy. Um. Yeah. Like to imagine him still in his playing days. I still remember Davy Dave Martinez you know, so much so that I remember them calling him Davy Martinez like on the Cubs. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a very young kid, I remember seeing him play. He always wore like a sweatshirt uh, under his uh, under his jersey. Um. But Jack, there are a couple names on this roster that I'm like, who the fuck are these guys? <laughs> Bob Bob Smith. Number one, and Mike, I, I almost don't even want to. I want to kind of treat them all, them both individually. But the other guy is Mike Kelly. But like, who the fuck is Bob Smith?
0: <laughs> that sounds like a that, that sounds like a name you'd write if you were having like a, a tryst at a you know a motel. Yeah.
1: Um, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, perfect.
0: Yeah, uh, Bob Smith. Jeremy, I have no recollection of this guy at all.
1: Not at all, Jack. Not at all. No,
0: not at not at all, Jeremy. Oh, my God. Um, he played in 117 games for the 98 Devil Rays as a 24-year-old, uh, had 370 at-bats, 11 home runs, and a 276 batting average. Uh, from there, he fell off a cliff. Um finished with a 232 career average never played for anybody but the Devil Rays he played from 98 to 2002 parts of five seasons uh, uh Jeremy I have no clue. and then he ended his career in the White Sox organization and in 2000 <laughs> in 2006 I have no idea who this guy was Jeremy
1: No not a clue I I I'm just I'm beside myself I can't I don't have I he looks like he looks like a guy like he looks like someone who like would have been on like NYPD blue or something like <laughs> as a as a cop or something like he kind of looks like <laughs> Nicholas Turturro or something like I don't know he doesn't look like a goddamn baseball player but like I could see him playing a New York City cop basically
0: no um, right um, yeah I uh, I I do wish that uh, that like he would have made the White Sox roster it, it would have been funny hearing Gene Honda to say his name like third baseman Bob Smith um, <laughs> you know just like trying to make it uh, you know more exciting. Than it yeah. uh, than it was. Uh, exactly. So yeah, B- Bob Smith. Yeah, I feel like um, you know c- couldn't couldn't be a more perfect name for a guy like that. Although Mike Kelly too. Uh, I got to look at him. Yeah, equally uh, as, as well.
1: vexing. I have his I have his baseball reference in front of me. He was the second overall pick in the nineteen ninety one draft by the Braves out of wow. Arizona State, um, and he played a couple years with the Braves, a couple years with the Reds. Then played with the Rays. By far had his like best year, um hundred and eight games. Uh he hit ten homers, but he only, he only hit two forty, but then only played two games after that year with the uh with the Rockies in ninety nine and then was out of the league. So He was um, um I don't this guy doesn't ring a bell for me either. Um, but uh I don't know. Um he seems to have like a better um like track record than than bob smith does though i'll say (laughs)
0: um i mean for a guy who was a second overall pick in the draft uh he was a complete bust uh i do seem to have some recollection of this guy because the first ever stratomatic season uh me and my dad played i think he was in that season for the braves
1: yeah i want to say i kind of remember him but
0: like um, somewhat. yeah but uh but i mean yeah this is a guy who's just uh you know just a complete name from the past uh, like basically just like a completely forgotten ball player. He, uh, he, he went three years where he did not play in the major and minor leagues from 2000 to 2002. So I'm guessing he went overseas. Then, uh, he actually did play a couple years in Triple A in 2003 and oh four for the Royals and Yankees, uh, minor league team, minor league, uh, uh, affiliates. So, uh, so yeah, he tried to hang around for a little while, but it just, it clearly was not going to happen for the guy and he was a complete bust. But, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't remember that guy at all either. Nope.
1: No, but if you were living in uh, St. Petersburg in um, <clears throat> 1998, uh, I bet you would have loved him. Um, your buddy Paul Sorrento was on this team, I'll say. Yes, he was.
0: Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, Jeremy. You know, I always I like me some Paul Sorrento. So <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah I, I I I recall him being on the Devil Rays. Um, I always I liked him more as an Indian. I think he was also on the Mariners as well. Um, and uh, Kevin Stalker was also on this team i remember kevin Stocker was always one of those guys as like a kid right this thought he was really boring like he was a really okay, boor- yeah. really boring player like he never he never hit for a good average or like hit a lot of home runs um but he seemed like he played a lot uh he was like he was a shortstop so yeah he was he was on this team too so like i always just i always just thought kevin Stocker was kind of boring um yeah for sure yeah um, um
1: Randy Wynn was on this team also as a twenty four year old.
0: Yeah, he was. Um so that that's kind of one of the bigger names that was on this team. Um I mean I, Randy Wynn, what he was on the Giants for a while, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, there he was.
1: Yeah, um, and traded to the Mariners for Jack. I don't know. Lou Pinella.
0: <laughs> really?
1: Yeah. Uh the 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 um the uh Devil Rays wanted to uh Hire Lou Pinella. Uh, well, actually, Lou Pinella wanted to, to again retire. This is this is the uh, benefit of having like a team in like a place like Tampa Bay, where guys can go retire to the <laughs> team and also still collect a paycheck. Although Lou Pinella decided he still wanted to collect a paycheck from the Cubs, but also still be in retirement. But um, yeah, so like as as part of the settlement, like for the Mariners. Um the Mariners were like, All right, we'll let Lou Pinella out of his contract, I guess, so he can fucking golf and manage the the devil rays, but you gotta give us something in return. And so they they, they traded they sent him uh Randy Wynn.
0: Oh Jesus, man. That's very strange.
1: It's it's very strange and I, I looked it up real quick on baseball reference just to see how it was listed, and it says October twenty eighth, two thousand two, traded by the Tampa Bay Devil Rays to the Seattle Mariners for Antonio Perez and Lou Pinella. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Yeah. I mean, you know, w- weird, weird compensation things there, but, uh, but yeah, Randy Wynn was traded, uh, for their manager.
0: <laughs> that is uh that is very bizarre. I wonder, I wonder if that's the last time that something like that has happened. I'm trying to,
1: I feel like something recently happened, didn't it? Where there was like some sort of compensation like that, but I can't like, I don't, I don't know. I could I can't name it off the top of my head, but I feel like there, there was some kind of weird compensation thing that happened recently, but, uh, not sure, uh, not sure, but but yeah, that's that's that that always stands out to me when I think of when I hear of Randy Wynn, for sure. <laughs> um, Jerome Walton, uh, former Rookie of the Year for the Cubs in uh, 1989, was that's uh, right. on this team uh, at age 32. Appeared in 12 games. Um, looking at the pitchers, um, yeah, Rolando Orojo, Jesus Christ, Tony Saunders, who was their top pick um in the expansion draft i think he ended up on the, No, i'm thinking of joe saunders who man who was tony singer
0: dude <laughs> yeah oh god. he was a uh, an anonymous yeah. guy
1: yeah no the god the whole time i was seeing tony saunders i'm th- i was thinking joe saunders wow this guy really is a nobody huh
0: <laughs> yeah no no he uh he is like um they uh yeah so he pitched uh you know 5 years in the minor leagues had pitched one year for the for the Marlins in 97 and then the the Rays decided to run him out there 31 times um <laughs> in 1998 he had a, he 6 and 15 with a 4.12 ERA uh he walked 111 guys in oh, 192 oh, yeah. in the third innings that's really that's a ton of walks um yeah and then he pitched another year for the Rays and then he never pitched again
1: I like that he was you know selected from the from the Marlins, uh, yeah, right, you know.
0: um, yeah, the the dueling Florida franchises, uh yeah, and apparently the teams yeah, the Marlins just you know they decided they didn't need this guy, um, and then it you know from what's weird about Joe's, uh Tony Saunders' baseball reference is that from 2001 to 2005. it just says did not play in major or minor leagues injured every year. Um, and then it just like, it just stops there. Like usually when it's, (laughs) usually when it says that it, uh, you know, it's like, it's like there's another year after that. so like, that's just kind of to denote that the guy didn't play that year. Like they could have just stopped at 2000, uh, which is his last year in the minors and then just not listed anything else. They didn't need to list those five seasons of did not play (laughs) due to injury.
1: Yeah. Uh, that's, that's pretty funny. Um, yeah. So, um, Oh, oh, wow. This is a good, oh, wow. Okay, this, oh, Jack, this is great. I have another kind of funny little story for way deep, deep in the podcast here. I got another one, Jack. Okay. This is like, this is like the equivalent of like the 1130 sketch on Saturday Night Live. (laughs) It's always like weird, um, but, and they like just tack it in there at the end, you know, and like some, you know, that some schlub writer like, like died to get this on the air. Um, yeah. And, anyway, this is a little inside baseball, but okay, so the closer for the 98 Rays was Roberto Hernandez, Jack. Okay. Do you remember Roberto Hernandez? I do. I do remember him. Okay. Yes. Um so <laughs> This is so awesome. Um how could this, I have never told you this story, Jack, before, but
0: um, I Jeremy, I have no idea what the story is going to be, but I can't wait. Yeah. Okay, so
1: so Roberto Hernandez was uh the closer for the White Sox for many years. Yep. Um uh or several years at least. Uh, Jack, this um I have this memory of being in grade school. Um and the second grade teacher at the school, her name was Miss Nidrowski. Maybe I don't even know if I should say her name, but <laughs> her name well, Miss, yeah. Miss Nadrowski. hmm. Yeah, well yeah, right. Um uh and we had a fire drill. Okay, I don't know how I knew this. Like there was there was some kind of like rumblings in the school or whatever. I mean, I don't even know how old I was. I was maybe in like judging by the years that um, he was on the white Sox, I'm going to guess I was in like um, maybe seventh or eighth grade or something, but there was like rumors around the school that Roberto Hernandez was at the school. Like uh-huh. he, was, he made like an appearance at the school and he was like speaking to this miss uh second grade class. She was. She's taught second grade. I was the lunch monitor for her class. Okay. Uh, in, when I was like seventh or eighth grade, anyway, um, so Roberto Hernandez was at the school, and I remember we had like a fire drill, and he had to like go out with the with the t- with the kids like to stand outside while we did yeah. the fire drill. But like I remember thinking, like I was old enough to think, like why the hell is Roberto Hernandez at this school, and he's only visiting second grade, and like Miss Nadrowski was an attractive teacher. Okay, uh-huh. so like I'm pretty sure that he was dating this teacher at my school, and she just got him. She's like, "Hey, Roberto, can you come and like talk to my class?" And yeah, like, yeah, sure, babe, whatever. And like, so he came and like like talked to the class. But I remember like seeing him like standing on like the corner, like uh, out in front of school, like while everyone was out there like for a fire <laughs> drill. But um, but in my mind, I'm like, this guy's totally dating uh you know this second grade teacher uh in my school, and it, it made sense, like uh you know that you would be dating a ball player or something. But uh, that's my little Roberto Hernandez story, Jack. Oh, my
0: God. I can't believe you've never told me that, Jerry. <laughs> I, know, I
1: know. I know. I don't know. It's not like it's like I just remembered it. Like I think about that every so often. It's just I guess if Roberto Hernandez would have come up in one of our talks, I probably would have shared that story. But uh, but yeah, to- <laughs> it's a total story there. Uh, from oh, my the, from the God.
0: What, uh so you didn't you didn't go up to him Jeremy ask for an autograph anything like that or No
1: no no I think like you know I I I don't know I mean like I was not a White Sox fan there was a bunch of kids around like I thought it was weird Right um you know all these things uh but uh but yeah I was just I remember seeing him like he was like a just stood out like a sore thumb amongst a bunch of second
0: graders um but uh but yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah, Jeremy. That so that that's a that well that's a good one. Um, I uh, all right, all right, Jeremy. So Jeremy is I'm a little. I've known Jeremy for ten years. He's never he never told me that story. Nope. Um, nope. Uh, but his his brush with greatness. Um, yeah. all right. So well, Jeremy, what do you what do you say we uh, we wrap this one up on that note? Because I don't I don't think we can we can top that
1: that's that's fair that's fair yeah i mean what are we going to talk about uh esteban yan you know for another five <laughs> minutes i i think you're right i think we should uh,
0: just just wrap it up <laughs> all right uh, well so we'll uh we'll get we'll get at you with another episode uh next week but until then uh this is jack sokowski uh, and this is jeremy d'inizio and we'll see you next time